The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears come out on top in a surprisingly tight game against the David Blau-led Detroit Lions in a 24-20 Thanksgiving win. I break down my thoughts on yesterday's game and more in this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears-focused podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on here, the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And while lately the podcast has been me bringing on a Windy City Gridiron cohort or another guest to talk about the game that had just happened, given that yesterday's game was on Thanksgiving, and I know I had family things to take care of, and I'm sure you did too, I figured we could all wait a day. But what a game it was to talk about, and I probably won't spend too long on it, but I do think that it is worth getting on the microphone and offering some praise to guys like Mitchell Trubisky, Anthony Miller, the offensive line, and others that we will talk about as we go through this podcast. The game wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Certainly the Bears won pretty tight, 24-20, against a team starting their third quarterback on the depth chart. But you know what? Given the way that this Bears season has gone, and by that I mean quite disappointing, I'm willing to cherish the wins where we get them, especially when your quarterback throws for 338 yards and honestly looks confident doing so. So let's start there. Let's start with Mitchell Trubisky, because I want to make something clear. After Mitchell Trubisky had thrown that interception, a light seemed to turn on in the kid's head, and he was fabulous. I mean, he was making throws all over the yard, so to speak. He was placing balls well. He was moving outside the pocket well. And while his pocket presence left something to be desired still, don't take that as me hammering him because the offensive line gave him the time that we've always hoped they would. And he made the Lions pay with a couple of huge completions to Anthony Miller, who had a pretty statistically significant day, to say the least, hauling in nine balls for 104 yards on 13 targets. Really good day for him. Mitchell Trubisky started the game fairly regularly, if I could be honest. In fact, I might even go so far as to say that he seemed to be getting outplayed by his counterpart, David Blau, which was not a great way to start the game. And I certainly hope I'm pronouncing Blau's name correctly, but y'all can tell me in the comments section. But Mitch, if I remember correctly, entered the half with something like 17 of 24 with about 140 yards. Not bad football, actually quite good football. I don't love passer rating as a stat, but he was sitting at about 100, which is usually a pretty good quarter. 
quarterbacking performance, and it seemed to be so. Yes, he'd missed on a couple of short balls. Yes, a few of his passes weren't fabulously accurate. And yes, he did have that run where it seemed as if on third and four, he would have been able to pick up the first down had he just headed upfield. And instead, he tried to break left, get around the guy so that he could try to get out of bounds. It didn't work. The Bears ended up kicking a field goal to, at that point, enter halftime 10-17. to Not bad, but hey, theoretically he could have picked it up. And then, with about 10 and a half minutes left in the third quarter, he sees Allen Robinson coming across the middle with Darius Slay in coverage. And to be perfectly honest, I have no idea whether Slay was baiting the throw because he certainly broke on this ball really, really well. But either way, Mitchell Trubisky throws the ball behind Allen Robinson. Allen has to stop and wait for it. Slay picks it off, takes it back the other way a couple of yards, I think like 10 or something like that. Truth be told, I'm going off the top of my head there and from there that light came on and I don't need to repeat myself but from that point Mitch was as on fire as I have ever seen him started the next drive of rolling out of the pocket getting open spotting Allen Robinson and hitting him with a dart down the sidelines very easily catchable ball turns into a nice 15 yard gain in a first down then on I don't know if it was the next play or a couple plays later, he hits Anthony Miller very deep through a pretty tight window, all things told, off a play-action fake, which Matt Nagy, credit to him, seemed to call quite a few more plays that involved that play-action fake, and it seemed to help Mitch out. Frankly, it just helps our whole offense out, because if I understand things correctly, that play-action motion helps set the defensive line into that run-blocking style of play, then the offensive line is able to better manage them in pass protection. That creates a really nice pocket for Trubisky. If you watch any of the play-action highlights, he's very, very rarely under pressure, and it also simplifies things for Trubisky because he generally has less reads to go through. From there, he ended up making a couple more throws. He threw a nice third and ten ball to Allen Robinson, just stuck it right on his hands on a curl route, and of course, he had the very, very pretty lofty rainbow ball to Jesper Horstead, that was awesome. I'll just put it this way. This was the kind of quarterbacking that we were hoping we would see more often in this 2019 season. This is exactly the kind of play that had so many Bears analysts like myself so high on the team coming into this year was because Matt Nagy's passing attack, when mixed with this level of quarterbacking, is just dangerous, and it made the Bears look that way. Was it picture-perfect, unstoppable, Kansas City-style offense? No, not quite. But it certainly looked better than a bottom-four offensive team that we've been this year, and that was awesome to see. And yes, it was also buoyed by a running game that was much, much better today. But we'll get to that in a second because with how hard I have been on Trubisky over this season, I have to make sure I give him credit for this game. I need to make that as clear as possible. Mitchell Trubisky was very, very impressive today. And I don't think that it rectifies like one good performance somehow fixes the damage that he did, if you will, in games like the Philly game, in games like like the Chargers game, where I didn't think he was particularly awesome. In games like the Green Bay game in week one, there are a bunch of football games that we could go through, and I could say, Mitchell Trubisky was lackluster. We were really expecting better in his third year. But this was it. And 
if this somehow turns into a turning point for him, because between the Giants game that he just played, this Lions game, and the Lions game in Soldier Field, not the Rams game, that was rough, he has strung together some of his better performances of the season. And yes, those were against defenses that most would agree are bad defenses. Certainly, they're not good in terms of defensive DVOA, but interestingly enough, and that's Football Outsiders DVOA, by the way, of which I believe the Giants are 27th and the Detroit Lions are 24th in the NFL as of last week. But interestingly enough, the Bears don't play a bunch of premier defenses down the stretch. After all, let me go ahead and list out the DVOA rankings of our remaining opponents. Dallas is 19th in the league, so a bit better than Detroit. Uh, Kansas City is 14th, so a bit better than average. Minnesota's the best defense will undoubtedly face at 10th in the league, and then Green Bay is 22nd. So technically we're facing one top 10 defense, but it is the last defense in the top 10, again using defensive DVOA, and I'm not going to split up their pass and run DVOA just yet because, well, to be honest, we're not going to be on long enough in this podcast, but the point is even if Mitchell Trubisky is quote-unquote only good against bad defenses for the remaining stretch of the season, we're going to see a pretty good test of his consistency because today we certainly saw what Mitchell looked like when he gets himself locked in, he gets a favorable coverage type to play against because it is worth mentioning that Trubisky has always been better against man coverage despite what Troy Aikman says than he has against zone coverage and the Lions played a lot of man today and it's safe to say they got punished for it. And if Matt Nagy continues to do what he seemed to be doing, which is to call play-action-style plays to supplement his regular drop-back passing, and especially if Nagy can get the run game going, which of course we've been saying all season long and it only just seemed to start working in the Bears' favor today, then maybe Trubisky will be able to turn in some good performances down the stretch and the Bears could win some games. If I could be completely candid with you, I don't know how good that is. Yes, you want your number two overall pick to perform, but when it comes to a team building perspective, if Trubisky is able to string some really good performances together, I bracketed a couple out Basically, if Mitchell Trubisky turns in uh, a couple, like one 300-yard game, a couple 275, 280-yard games, all at two touchdowns over these next four games, he will end statistically at around 3,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions, a.k.a just ever so slightly better throwing the ball than last year with way less running. That's intriguing because if he does that, truth be told, I don't know what the Bears will do with him. He's been playing at a level where it might have been better for them to get a clean break, but again, I know that's a little bit salacious, so I will back off of that and we'll just wait and see what happens from here on out. Either way, Trubisky's play against the Lions needs to be something that he's going to repeat if he wants to be the 2020 starting Chicago Bears quarterback, and especially if he wants to avoid major competition being brought in for him at this offseason, even though if I could be completely candid again, I think that competition ought to be brought in either way, whether it's a free agent signing, a trade of some sort, but now we're already getting off topic. The point is, Mitchell Trubisky today 
played like the quarterback that we wanted him to be all along, and he did so against one of the better matchups the Bears could have asked for, a Lions team that the Bears, frankly, match up really well against, but either way, Trubisky did it, and that is way better than we've seen him do this season. Another name that I have to shout out and say, you guys did great, was the entire offensive line against the run. This was very intriguing, because just a couple of weeks ago, when the Bears played the Lions in Soldier Field, they weren't really able to get almost anything going on the ground, and a lot of that was due to the fact that, kind of like I talked about in my latest video about Nagy, the theoretical aspect of his play calling and how that mixes with his team, they weren't really able to stop Snacks Harrison or the rest of the Lions defensive line from effectively ruining most of the running plays. Today, they got the better of their counterparts more often than not, and that led to David Montgomery having a much better stat line than usual with 16 carries, 75 yards, with only a longest of 14. That means more often than not, he was able to grind out some yards, and the Bears felt that because he was turning in 4 yards, 5 yards, 9 yards, 10-yard carries. He was breaking tackles just like we wanted him to see. Truth be told, this was exactly the kind of game that when the Bears took Montgomery after trading up for him in the third round, this is what they likely envisioned. One of my favorite plays from Montgomery was a quick outlet that Trubisky hit him with, and he had a one-on-one -on -one tackler at the line of scrimmage. He just dispensed of that tackler with a quick right-side uh, right juke and a stiff arm. I think there was a stiff arm in there. And then he raced forward for 9 or 10 yards. Could have been a zero-yard gain, and it was not. He raced forward, picked up some serious yardage because he's able to break tackles and is ultimately just a weapon at that running back position. It was awesome to see. I love this kid. I want to see him get more carries in a setting where he can succeed, a.k.a. almost any push in the running game at all. And another guy that I think deserves some serious credit is Rashad Coward. I came into this game, especially on Twitter, saying that this was a big game for Coward, who struggled a lot against Snacks personally. He's continually gotten matched up against some of the best that the NFL's defensive linemen can offer. He played, you know, personally against Aaron Donald. He had to face Fletcher Cox. He faced Snacks Harrison. And today he did much better. It seemed as if those reps he had gotten the first time were very, very helpful in attacking Snacks and making plays in that running game he was by no means the Bears best offensive lineman that I think might very well have been Cody Whitehair who seemed to be hitting combo blocks fairly well but that was on first watch I haven't honestly gone back and rewatched it but suffice to say Coward wasn't killing plays for the Bears and that was really helping their running game and Trubisky could feel it because with a running game that he could lead on he didn't have to convert near as many of those third and extremely long situations that he's often forced into third and ten third and eight third and nine you get the idea instead the Bears were able to turn out yards on the ground I really wish that box scores tracked how many first downs running backs picked up because that was something that I thought Montgomery did really really well today but Either way, Montgomery plus the line. I want to credit the line with it more because if I could be honest with you, Montgomery has looked exactly like the same player all throughout this season. It's been very rare that we've seen a bad game from him, more just a poorly blocked game. And today, funnily enough, the line looked to me like they were able to deliver 
let's call it league average blocking, creating some holes more than usual where there's almost no holes, and Montgomery ducked and weaved through tight windows just like we've seen him do all year, broke tackles, made plays, and was able to turn out a good game on the ground. Obviously, that helped supplement play action, and while there's a ton of studies out there saying that you don't actually have to run the ball well to utilize play action well, I do think that this helped keep the Lions on their toes and was a big part of Trubisky. Bisky putting up the numbers that he did because again I, I almost find that I just need to continue to cite just how well Trubisky played statistically speaking he had 29 completions on 38 attempts 338 yards three touchdowns one interception a quarterback rating for whatever that's worth of 118.1 and my personal preferred stat an adjusted yards per attempt of 9.29, which is way better than the 5.4-ish he's averaged this season. Now, again, I have to caveat it. This 9.29 is the second best he's performed in this stat this season, with the first best coming in Soldier Field against, you guessed it, the Detroit Lions with a 10.13 AY over A. So we'll need to see Trubisky do this against, well, not the Lions to really confirm that he's playing well. Even against the Giants, he was only able to put in a 5.07 AY over A, which is well below the league average of approximately 6.5. And when you hear those numbers, just think of it as the average yards, adjusted yards that a quarterback gains per attempt. You're wanting to be productive at about that 6.5, 6.6 yards per attempt region. And Trubisky hasn't been this season, but he sure was in both Detroit games and the Washington game. Outside of that, he's been generally below average. But again, this was a really nice performance. He's got a game against Dallas that not only is it in primetime next Thursday, interestingly enough, you know, a week after this Thursday's Thanksgiving game, but it's also against a defense that is not fabulously good. Certainly they give up more against the pass than they do against the run, which sets up for a big day for Trubisky, and we'll just need to see if he can deliver. Some other Bears players that I have to mention because they played really, really good football were Kyle Fuller, who made some serious plays in this game, not only with a couple of passes defensed, even though Kenny Galladay got his number, as well as, let's be honest, pretty much the entire Bears secondary, because Galladay was able to turn in a four-reception, 158-yard day, but Fuller had a nice pass deflection, and debatably the best defensive play of the game, where on, I believe it was a third and one down near the goal line, Scarborough, the running back, took a handoff and bounced outside. He had a one-on-one -on -one with Kyle Fuller. Fuller tracked him down, tripped him up for a loss of about a yard and a half, which, of course, prevented the Lions from even going for it at that point, because fourth and two is obviously extremely different than fourth and inches. That single play seemed to push Coach Matt Patricia, and I'm not trying to oversell the impact of one play, but it really seemed to push him into more of a field goal conservative. Let's take the lead mode as the Lions kicked to get their 20th points, and they, of course, never scored again. That opened the door for the Bears to score just one touchdown, which came off of a really nice Trubisky read where he, you could tell if you watch his head that he checks off two reads to move to a wide open David Montgomery who makes the catch to go up 24 to 20 and 
the rest was history. It doesn't happen without Kyle Fuller's tackle. He made some seriously nice plays. Roquan Smith's played good football, but in the interest of time, that's about all I'll say there. He looked real good. Javon Wims made plays today in place of an injured Taylor Gabriel, and if I could be honest, I would prefer it if Taylor Gabriel remains injured. Not because I'm cheering for him to be injured, but let's go with remains inactive. That's more what I'm trying to say here. Wims showed us that he's a capable receiver. He's shown us that a lot, and he turned in a very, very nice day, picking up first downs when the Bears needed it, even having a nice big reception later in the game, and ultimately was a part of a very successful day day passing. Jesper Horstead obviously hauled in that big catch uh, near at the end for the touchdown. Really nice lofted rainbow ball and also a very good catch because the ball was ever so slightly away from his common catch radius, if you will. Horstead certainly had to lay out for it, but he helped his quarterback out and made a play. That's something that we've wanted to see from our tight ends, you know, helping the quarterback out instead of doing what Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen have done. If we could be completely candid and they've just dropped a lot of balls and made life kind of hard for Mitchell Trubisky. Horstead made a play there. That was great to see. Again, Anthony Miller is somebody that I want to just repeat. He played really well. He's certainly had his issues this season, often more on the mental side of football than the physical side, where he'll line up in the wrong place, or he'll take a penalty, or he'll lead into an illegal formation, or in this case, he almost fumbled a ball very, very early in the game, and he's also dropped a couple of first downs, but, I mean, unfortunately, who hasn't at this point? Allen Robinson even added another drop today that snapped him right in the hands and fell out, but Miller came through in a big way, especially on those deep receptions. I'll be completely honest, I don't think he caught the second one. It did look to me like the ball hit the ground and moved as he was falling over, but I will follow that up immediately with, I also think he was interfered with, and ultimately he made a very feisty play to get as much control of it as he did with a defender's arm wrapped up on his wrists. Miller made some big plays. That first throw was very nicely placed in my opinion. Yes, it could have theoretically been a little bit further, but Miller adjusted to it, hauled it in. The second one was a great catch, and ultimately he produced, much like Trubisky, at the level we were anticipating that he would before the season in this game and this game specifically. Certainly something that you hope is a growing point going forward for him because he's obviously just oozing with talent. He has, and I don't say this lightly, star wide receiver potential. He just needs to get his head into the game, so to speak, and learn to produce within this offense. Whew, 20 minutes of unbridled positivity. Not bad, right? Well, there are a few negative things that I do want to mention, but we're probably not going to dissect them purely due to how long we've spent on talking about the positives, and I have no personal problem with that. So first off, the defense got whooped in their first couple of drives against David Blau, and I actually think I know the reason, and it really comes more on Chuck Pagano and Blau making plays. It's not as much a negative, this one more an explanation, but commonly when you're playing against a young quarterback, you want to put them up against zone in the NFL. 
You know that your defenders are pretty capable people, and you want to push that young quarterback into a position where they have to read and scan the football field, which often, at the high speed that the NFL offers, can challenge them a lot. This obviously did not challenge Blau or the Detroit Lions offensive staff because they were more than ready for it. On the first third and ten of the game, uncanning a 75, I believe it was, either way, a long touchdown throw to Kenny Galladay, where Galladay beat Prince handily. I don't know if there was supposed to be safety help. Amukamura certainly kind of played like it, but either way, Blau put a pretty nice ball into Galladay's hands, and it was immediately 7-7 to because, and I can't believe I didn't mention this in the positive section, the Bears managed to score on their opening drive of the game, and that was a really nice return to 2018. Maybe this game really was just a time capsule game buried in 2018 that we were supposed to resurface in 2019 because there really were, with opening drive scoring, Trubisky looking like he did, Anthony Miller looking like he did, this was a game that we were, let's say, expecting to see more of in this 2019 season. But either way, Blau and the Lions carved up the Bears' zone defense, and from there, the Bears seemed to get the better of the Lions. They seemed like they switched to more of a man-based scheme. Certainly, I saw Blau throw a lot more times into tighter coverage, but in those first two drives, he seemed to be throwing to wide-open players constantly, picking up yardage at will. Credit to Blau, it was just really good quarterbacking on his part, not what you expect of the third quarterback on the depth chart, and he made plays. And then the Bears' defense started to get the better of him from there. I really wish Kwiatkowski was able to haul in that interception that he threw because, to put it plainly, the Bears defense earned it and Kwiatkowski had made a play on the ball. Really nice play by TJ Hawkinson to pull that ball out. But I digress. Those first two drives, that was common Pagano defensive coordinator thinking, calling zones against a quarterback who just played ready for it. You can't do too much about that. You just hope it doesn't happen again, though it did expose how poorly the Bears defense has been pressuring their quarterbacks lately as they just haven't seemed to be able to get, whether it's Mack or Goldman or Floyd or Roy Robertson-Harris or anybody else, they just really haven't been able to get at the quarterback not even just sack them but even pressure them but we'll hope that that clears up as it seems as if on Twitter I'm seeing today that Akeem Hicks is just about ready to practice again and that would be a huge help for the Bears if he's able to come back at full go now that's a big if but we'll just have to wait and see Now, there were a lot of coaching points today, and if you've listened to my podcast or my videos or read my tweets enough, you'll know I'm not very high on criticizing coaching unless it's obvious, but there were a couple of coaching things today that I mightily disagreed with with Matt Nagy. I thought his fourth and sixth call was just atrocious in general, and that's primarily because of the way that it worked out. So we're sitting at fourth and six, and I believe we were on the 31, which is about a 48-yard field goal and I mean this isn't college football in the NFL you're expecting your kicker to be able to make that and the Bears line up and they go for it and they call a play that sees Javon Wims and Tariq Cohen if my memory serves correctly basically run into the same place Trubisky gets pressured very quickly he gets rid of the ball the ball doesn't really go to anybody where again two receivers are 
pretty much standing in the same place, and then a flag comes in because the bears were in an illegal formation, and all of this, of course, had followed a timeout. Not a great coaching sequence for Matt Nagy. It really is becoming frustrating just how often this Bears team takes penalties where again later in the game we found ourselves in another first and 30 or more after I believe it was Javon Wims who took not one but two illegal block penalties. Uh, One of those had pushed us back to first and 17. And then another penalty, this time Rashad Coward, I believe with an offensive face mask, pushed us back once more to first and 32. And surprise, surprise, the Bears did not convert that. It was nice to see that they were able to fight through it and ultimately get the win, but as it becomes more and more obvious that Trubisky is particularly successful when he's able to throw play-action-style balls with a clean pocket, it continues to surprise me that we often go with the old-school, naggy, West Coast, shotgun-style, drop-back-and-pass approach that you know Matt Nagy wants to do, and it's obvious that that's ultimately wants what he wants to install in Chicago, but this just isn't the team for it, and I want to see more adaptation. He seems to be using more I-formation looks and certainly is incorporating more and more and more play action than he pretty much ever has, but I really want to see him lean into that in these last couple of games. And hey, if he wants to make a quarterback switch and bet it all on his offense in 2020, great. I have no real problem with that. He's the head coach after all, and if he wants to run his offense, I don't blame him. Even if that runs him out of town, it's his decision to make. But this season, with the team that he has, let's get some more eye formation going. Let's get into the things that Trubisky obviously likes. Get those play-action passes rolling such that Trubisky, this is what I think he loves about it. He only has one receiver to throw to, usually maybe two, uh, and he has a clean pocket to throw from. It really helps him know how to operate those deep shots. At least that's the impression that I get when I watch Trubisky play in play-action. But I want to see Matt Nagy adjust this offense to what this team can do, see if they can produce more of these, you know, I mean, at least 17 points. No no single-digit point scores going down the road because, again, the defenses that the Bears face, they just aren't that special. So hopefully the Bears' offense can show some signs of life because, as I know plenty on Windy City Gridiron and all over Bears Nation have said, it's getting pretty frustrating knowing that we brought in an offense offense first coach that can't produce on offense. If I could be completely honest, it feels pretty similar to exactly what's going on in Detroit, the team we just beat, where their offense has been their motor. It's been their engine and their defense has really struggled, even though quote unquote defensive genius Matt Patricia was brought in to fix just that side of the ball. Sound familiar to quote unquote offensive genius Matt Nagy and what he's done in Chicago? I kind of thought so. It's also worth mentioning that Nagy still substitutes personnel a little bit more than I'd like and sometimes can seem kind of dense to what's going on in a game situation. For instance, the delay of game that we took right after that Miller catch that may not have happened. And according to reports, Mitchell Trubisky wanted to get the guys up to the line to run a very quick play exactly like you should do, but they had to stop and ultimately ended up taking the delay of game because Matt Nagy sent in a new personnel package. It took a while for that to get sorted out, and Mitch Trubisky just didn't get the snap off because he had quite a couple of pre-snap responsibilities to take care of, like Tariq Cohen's motion, again, if memory serves. And, I mean, come on, Matt. We 
can't be doing that in the second year of this offense. But that's all I'll say about that. Frankly, that's all I have for you on today, this day after Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you and your family had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if you like what I have to say, please let me know by rating this show five stars on whatever platform it is that you listen on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or however else you're listening to it. If you're on Windy City Gridiron or reading this through a tweet, please comment and let me know what you thought of the show. It's always awesome hearing what y'all think about it. If you want more of my thoughts on not only the Bears, but the NFL, in general and certainly whatever's going on during these Bears games you can follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz that's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z and if you type my name Robert Schmitz on YouTube you'll find all the analytical work that I do as I cover the Chicago Bears season. Keep your eyes peeled on that this week as I'm looking to release a specific breakdown on a player that I think is personally catching way too much flack for honestly playing well but you'll just have to see what I've got for you to make sense of that because I don't want to give too much away thank you so much for listening and until next time Bears fans bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me